There's enough science available to us now that shows how trauma can be trapped in our bodies. It's the way God designed our bodies to work. When we are faced with a traumatic experience, our bodies move into fight, flight, or freeze mode to keep us safe. The challenge with this is that sometimes, if we don't address what's happening, we can get stuck in one of these modes. Our bodies, when seemingly triggered, will perpetually act in the same ways they have always to make sense of what's happening and or to keep us safe. Doesn't really matter if the threat is real or even the same as before. The past is the present as far as our bodies and brains are concerned. We have to tell them otherwise. Black people intuitively know this better than most. As a result of white supremacist institutions and regular encounters with both subtle and overt forms of racism, we often walk around in a hypervigilant state. Just like other forms of trauma, racial trauma can live in the body. And just like Rob, we can find ourselves holding on to pain so tightly that it begins to affect everything and everyone around us. But the hard truth is that pain is going to come out at some point. It has to. The questions are when, where, and how. This is my Black Book Journal. Welcome to My Black Book Journal, powered by Act Justly, Love Mercy, where we tell black stories through book reviews and interviews to uncover lessons in life, love, and leadership. I am your host, Danny Brister Jr. Welcome to another episode. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing Fox and Rob Richardson, who wrote the book, Time, the untold story of the love that held us together when incarceration kept us apart. You all, I really enjoyed this interview and talking to Fox and Rob. I think you'll enjoy it as well. A couple housekeeping things before we get started. If you don't quite follow us on social media, then you can follow us at My Black Book Journal. Also, check out my new substack, Danny B. Jr. Dot substack.com. Again, that's dannybjr.substack.com. That's it also at Act Justly Love Mercy. Check us out. I think you'll like it. Y'all, without any further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into this episode. If you like it, hit the like button. Also subscribe, leave a comment so people know that you're listening. All right. Until next time, y'all enjoy the show. So, you all, I really enjoyed reading their book. We're really excited to have you all, Fox and Rob. How are you all doing today? Exceptionally well. Exceptionally well. When you understand our backstory uh, to be in this space, in this moment in time, then you'll understand when I say exceptionally well, uh, it is uh, quite befitting. Well... I can understand that you all. I'm really excited to give you an opportunity to hear their story. Um, in reading in reading their book, Time, it, it wasn't an easy read. It was it was very real, very raw. I dealt with some some very heavy things. It dealt with incarceration uh, 
and the challenges that we currently face in America and how it affects our families and how it affects individuals on a day in, day out basis. And I really want to dive into that and speak a little bit about that because we talk a lot about it in our society, but we don't always talk to the people who have experienced it firsthand and learn lessons and sit at their feet. So I'm really excited, Fox and Rob, to take a moment. Um, I feel like I've been sitting with you all for a while and reading your book, but I'm, I'm really excited to have you all in person um, and discuss a little bit about your journey. So whenever we have new guests come on to My Black Book Journal, we always have us we always have them walk us through their journey of how they got to this place. And you really deal with that in time. So I want to start in a bit of a different place. Um, your book focuses a lot on your family as well as your six sons. And I'd like to take a moment for you all to share a little bit about your childhood. And you talk about this in the book, but how you all even first met. Mm. Okay. Um. Well, Fox and I uh, actually met as uh, high school sweethearts uh, one day uh, between, you know, be, um, through a mutual friend of ours. Uh, she was a church member friend of mine and a uh, classmate of, uh, of Fox's. And uh, I went over to uh, offer the two of them a, uh, a ride to school. Uh, they were um, taking, taking a, a mental, mental health day. Break. We have to get this straight. <laughs> <laughs> understanding of the story. Okay. Okay. <laughs> version of the story. <laughs> Uh, my version of the story it differs uh, a, a little different, but uh, at any rate, it was uh, the most amazing encounter uh, that I can uh, ever recall having in my life, uh, next to that of uh, that with my mother. Um, but with that being said, it was love at first sight for me, and it took me probably the rest of the evening to convince Fox that it was equally the same for her. Uh, <laughs> So with that being said, uh, if any of your listeners are old enough uh, or, or have been in this type of love, uh, they know what it's like to actually spend so much time on the phone in one in, in one encounter <laughs> that both of you fall asleep. And then you <laughs> yeah. up and you're like, you still there? <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> so we had one of uh, one of those uh, kind of uh, uh, first starts uh, with one another. Uh, what later uh, from that would become a uh, ten-year, uh, on-again, off-again relationship between Fox and I before we actually uh, exchanged nuptials with one another, some ten years uh, into uh, into our uh, courtship, if you would. Uh, we, uh, as a young couple, uh, had uh, had dreams, uh, had aspirations, as we both have grown up in families uh, that you know were uh, families of uh, you know people that were about making their mark in life. Uh, Fox with, you know, her side of the family, me in particular, uh, with my mother and my father. Um, but they, they instilled some early values in the both of us uh, that I think uh, helped when we finally met one another on our journey, uh, that we, we saw ourselves as a good fit for one another. Uh, that being said, uh, we uh, started a uh, business venture uh, shortly after uh, getting married to one another. I have to uh, back up and say that... Uh, we eloped and got married and uh, mm -hmm. uh, went off to a, a small uh, chapel in Kissimmee, St. Cloud, Florida, uh, where we exchanged nuptials, uh, entertained ourselves later on that night at what was then uh, Paradise Island, uh, a uh, destination at, uh, at, at, at the uh, Disney property. And uh, that night we consummated our marriage uh, by bungee jumping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when I tell you that that bungee jump was so symbolic of what life would become like uh, for Fox mm. and I from that uh, moment to say 26 yeah. <laughs> years into the future, uh, man, uh, your readers will definitely uh, enjoy uh, enjoy uh, reading this book 
uh, reading this story because, man, when I tell you that it has been one exciting ride uh, hmm. from start to finish, it has been one exciting ride. I'm talking about 36 years this November and of think, nothing but exciting ride. I think, Danny, you have to excuse Rob as, as this is probably the first book interview we've had in about a, a couple of weeks because our whole focus has been on running for public office. And so mm -hmm. we're just like, he's trying to even remember the story because all of the other questions we've been answering has been political questions. So I can see yeah. him up there like trying to regroup, like, uh, what, what is it we were talking about? <laughs> but yeah, we celebrate 26 years of matrimony next month and um, 36 years in November of being in union with one another. And I can say that the greatest joy that I have found in my life is finding someone to actually walk this life with. Um, um, I think that it is um, important for people to know that it's not all about that it is going to be an easy journey. I remember when we first got into this um, problem um, that we talk about in time, the book where we're facing 297 years in prison and, and as newlyweds um, had been married only six months. And Rob says to me, well, you know, Fox, we made a, a vow to one another. We said for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer. So did you think that the better was going to come first? And then you know what your girl had to say, right? You know, I'm like, in my head, and I'm thinking like, hell yeah, I, I did. I really, I thought, you know, I'm thinking like, we'll get us about good. You know, they say the seven-year itch. I was hoping for right. at least a decade before it started itching. You know, I'm mean, like six months out the gate? Come on, dude. And uh, I had a girlfriend came over a few months uh, a few months ago. I like the holidays, and she we were telling them, you know, six months after we uh, got married, we you know facing all of these troubles. She says, "Wow, Fox, that must have been an incredible six months." <laughs> <laughs> it was so incredible I would spend the next 21 years of my life mm. 21 years and four days working to restore what God had given us it was mm. so incredible mm. so yeah that's our, our humble beginnings there Danny yeah wow well thank y'all for sharing and and Rob when you when, when when you first got on you said that you all are doing exceptionally well and you said especially because of the circumstances um, and those 21 years that you all really endured. And so I, I want to kind of dive into that because your, your book spends a significant amount of time talking about um, when you were incarcerated. Um, so share for our listeners a little bit about what you talked a little bit about culture, uh, the, the, the hip hop clothing store that you all started. You talk a lot about that in your book and, and different business ventures that you went on. But talk a little bit about those six months um, and then what led to this long journey of, of seeking your, your freedom. Okay. Well, after uh, Fox and I did uh, manage to come back from, uh, from that high that we were on when we went off and uh, got married, uh, we came back home uh, with the uh, plan of uh, implementing, um, you know, what we saw as, uh, as our family's future. Uh, we came back, we had already identified a uh, location that would become our family's first business, uh, as well as a uh, piece of property that would become our family's first home. Uh, we thought that, uh, you know, uh, how they say that uh, everything was uh, just about to be fine. Uh, I mean, we just thought that this was the takeoff, the, uh, you know, to something really, really great. And then um, just uh, as Murphy's Law would have it, you know, everything that could happen, happened, and some. Um, the uh, investor that, uh, that we had secured prior to uh, going off on our marriage, we came back later only to find out that uh, he had pulled out on us. 
additionally, we found out that the uh, dream home that we thought that we were buying for our family uh, was actually the house from hell. Uh, it was built on a bad foundation. They had done additions to the house that, uh, that shifted the roof in a way that when it rained for the, well, was the first good rain that we got uh, in the city, uh, it literally flooded the house. Uh, all of the carpets that we had laid, the paints that we had put up on the walls, the furnishings that we had bought, and even the uh, clothes, you know, that we had in our closets, you know, all of those things were destroyed. Um, so much so that um, it, it sent us, you know, it sent us reeling. Uh, and just when you thought that, you know, things couldn't get uh, get any worse as it related to, you know, the bills that pile up as a result of, you know, taking those kind of setbacks, uh, our third oldest son um, be began having seizures and he went into uh, seizures and, and, you know, it was just an undiagnosed ailment that doctors couldn't figure it out. And those things uh, sent us, you know, in a, in a total tailspin. Then and I, I turn around and I, I'm teaching as a professor at Southern University. Mm -hmm. And um, at the end of the summer session, they decide to, to end my program. So I'm out of a job. I mean, all within mm -hmm. six months, um, right. we discovered that the business we had opened, we had broken all the three rules to business. Location, location, location. We opened a hip-hop clothing store, Danny. Novice, right? We just living our dream. Nobody. <laughs> coaching us there were no business coaches back then right you get it out you feel <laughs> yeah, right. you want it and um, we had opened a, biz, a retail clothing store in the midst of an industrial uh, area of our city. So it was like within the first six months of marriage, we had lost our job, had medical problems. Our house was um, um, in disarray. Our, our business was in the wrong location. Not, One thing after the other. Yeah, not to mention that when you think about uh, the mid-90s in a place like Shreveport, Louisiana, concepts of hip-hop you know i'm talking about an innovation if you would that happened during that time uh was probably about as difficult as probably selling myspace at the end of the civil rights movement you know what i'm saying <laughs> trying to convince somebody that this is the new wave or this is the direction you know that mm -hmm. fashion is going that culture is going that this is you know where we need to and be. we're bringing it to you first right <laughs> yeah so it was a hard sell you know needless to say and uh, yeah. with that being said, we were not able to find uh, investors to replace the, uh, the one investor that uh, we thought we had secured. Uh, and uh, as the uh, old saying goes, uh, uh, desperate people do desperate things. We found ourselves in the pit of desperation and in our efforts to regain financial solvency, uh, we took money from a bank. Uh, that ultimately led to uh, what then would become the Fox and Rob story. Um, you know, where we journeyed through uh, America's criminal justice system and uh, my wife having the, uh, the fortitude and the staying power uh, to do what was necessary in order to fight alongside me to, uh, to bring me back, uh, back to freedom and to reunite our family. You know, when when reading your book, what what really what really came through for me was, you know, we talk a lot about like resiliency in our society, mm -hmm. and and I think we can easily default to that. But but Fox, you talk a lot about love, like in the book, and you come back to it over and over and over again, because there has to be something like you you were also incarcerated for three and a half years. Um, but 
you had this drive to keep your family together, to be with your sons, to hold on to your husband, even in the midst of very difficult seasons where you all did separate, but then eventually came back together. So talk to us a little bit, Fox. I want to just hear you just talk a little bit about that love um, that you had for your family and what was that healing process of even finding that love for yourself, maybe even realizing that this is not necessarily the direction you thought your life was going to go in? Mm, I, that's a good question, Danny. I think for me, what comes to my mind as you were asking me or, or posing that question was a, a quote by Henry David Thoreau that says that there's nothing more powerful than the human spirit. And when we really commit ourselves to something, um, you know, um, such is life that when you can find something in this life that you really want to commit yourself to, whether yeah. it's a family, whether it's a job, whether it's um, a, a health plan, no matter what it is, I think that until we can find something on this journey that we can really commit ourselves to, we really hadn't lived. And so hmm. for me, it was about tapping into that DNA, the DNA that came from my ancestors, the, um, the will to live when you were uh, living in a country that was working to annihilate us, um, hmm. right? To right. subject us permanently as, as less than human, um, so definitely less than second-class citizens because they uh, locked us in when you talk about the Constitution as three-fifths of a human being. So they right. wanted to to even create us to be less than human. And so for the will of our ancestors to be able to overcome systems that had, centuries of systems that had been in place to make us feel less than human beings, um, I tapped into that same power to say that if our ancestors could overcome that, I tapped into the power that says that if I am here, it is for a reason. Um, when you think about the fact that when each of us are created, there is anywhere from 300 to 500 million sperm cells released from our fathers into our mothers and only hmm. one fertilizes that egg, unless you're a twin, and I got a set of them. <laughs> well, I know about that split, but unless you are a twin, it is just that oneness out of millions that comes and, and fertilizes that egg and begins what is the creation of our gift of life. I'm sitting here and I'm speaking and sharing with you and I'm not telling my heart to be. I'm not telling my mind to think. You know, I'm just, I, I am um, um, a, a, a life force that has come into this space and we have to recognize just the power of our life force and tap into that and with that and through that you can overcome any other thing that we are enduring on this journey you know <laughs> i mean yeah. just tap into the power that that higher power that is operating mm. in each of us um, and, and so that's what I did. I love my family. God had given me this family. I had wanted it all of my life. I had been in love with Robert since I was a young girl. I was so happy when we finally wed that I began recording before the, um, what do you call it? Before the um, selfie generation. All <laughs> before cell phones. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm here as soon as we marry and I'm documenting saying that, Hmm. I open up the documentary Time. If your listeners you, um, have not seen Time, the documentary, it is streaming on Amazon Prime, and the book is based off of that Oscar-nominated mm -hmm. um, doc film. And so I open up that film, and I'm saying, um, wow, mm -mm -mm. look at that. 
the richesses. Now, what do you think about that? You know, because that was my pride and joy, us being able to find pride and joy in building our families. That's how we begin to build our communities. That is how we begin to restore our world. Um, just not enough can be said about the power of love when it is implemented. It can overcome, they say love is the most divine chemical in the universe, and it dissolves everything that is not of itself. Mm. You know, I, I, so in your book, you talk about your your, your season as a speaker and um, as a motivational speaker as well, traveling around to these college campuses. Um, what was really clear is that you all are trailblazers, right? Like, I mean, you talk about culture and bringing it to Shreveport before it's time. Um, the work that you all were doing with um, the 2045 law of trying to trailblaze that as well. Um, so, Rob, you know, you also talk a lot about in the book the people that you are able to help, uh, the ministry you're able to start while you were in prison. You talk about the um, the people you were able to mentor and help them get out of prison, the uh, reduced recidiv or the re reduced recidivism rate. I think going from 60 percent to about 5 percent of the people that you were um, you were your mentoring. Uh, tell us a little bit about that journey of you. You're, you're, you're pushing with the hope of one day being able to get out, but you're still pouring out, you know, what you have to support and help others. Mm -hmm. um, probably uh, one of those things when it says um, when you think about going into a community, you buy a house, you buy a home or whatever, and uh, you're in a community. And then when you're in that community, you come to the realization real soon, you know, as to, you know, what this community is made up of. The community that I was um, thrust inside of through choices of my own, of course, um, I, I came into a place that was one, uh, known as the bloodiest penitentiary in America, uh, had bared that, that brand for quite some time. So either I was going to um, become more of that or I was going to have to work to bring about change in that type of system. With that being said, I knew that programming uh, was something that was lacking in the, uh, in the institution at that time. Um, so when I came, there was a program that had just started uh, called the PREP program. It was a program uh, for an acronym. It was a pre-release exit program. But it was for people that had uh, basically been sentenced to a short period of time uh, that were coming, and then they would be leaving, exiting, going back home. But they had guys like myself that were considered long-termers uh, mm -hmm. that were responsible for uh, teaching basic life skill courses. Uh, I, I taught, a, uh, taught a class that I had actually gleaned from myself through uh, NFL great uh, Jim Brown. He came into the, uh, into the prison um, in the early uh, part of my journey, uh, which was you know about 99, maybe 2001 or so, and brought a program into the, uh, pr into the prison that he had implemented in uh, California to teach uh, social skills, life skills uh, to men. And uh, there was 45 of us that went through the program. Uh, the program didn't take off in a way that they, you know, pushed it throughout all of Louisiana that they had been hopeful for. But I was one of those 45 guys that had taken the program and then started to implement the program inside of the prison. Uh, with that being said, uh, it is a powerful program, so much so that people that came through that program uh, under my uh, leadership, under my tutelage, uh, ended up defying um, the statistical um, odds that, uh, that you know many of them face going home. Within uh, Louisiana during that period of time, and even still to this day, you have uh, about 65% of uh, people that exit prison within three to five years 
they're returning back, they're recidivating. Now that number has since dropped, but it's still hovering way too high. I mean, it's still near mm -hmm. the halfway point that half of the people that exit prison within three to five years, they're back into that, uh, that situation. Um, but in it, like I said, one of the other things that, uh, that I also was uh, intentional about is making myself a better person than the person that I had been uh, before coming into prison. I was a college uh, dropout at the time that, uh, that I went to prison and while other guys were trying to get high school education or get a education period, I knew that for me, mine would have to be is that I would have to secure my college education if I was hopeful to make my kids understand the importance of having a, a degree of higher learning. Uh, with that being said, they had a program, a four-year program that they offered to uh, guys in prison through the uh, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, where you were able to get a four-year degree and a two-year degree, respectively, uh, in pastoral counseling and prison uh, and uh, uh, Christian counseling and pastoral counseling. Um, and I took that program while inside of the prison. I had to start a, uh, uh, a ministry while I was in there. So I started a uh, social justice ministry to make guys uh, more aware of the legal uh, issues and hurdles uh, that they were facing. And I traveled throughout the prison of more than 6,000 men, uh, you know, giving uh, hope uh, through giving insight and giving knowledge of the law and those types of things with uh, hopes that they would be able to help themselves. Uh, with that being said, that uh, by the time I exited prison, about six months after coming home, uh, Fox and I continued in that same vein where we started uh, Rich Family Ministries and its first initiative is uh, was uh, PDM NOLA. PDM NOLA is an acronym for Participatory Defense Movement NOLA, where we teach legal awareness as a best form of defense to justice-involved people. Uh, through our organization, we measure our success by the amount of time that we save a person opposed to the amount of time that they have been sanctioned to serve in prison. Uh, with that being said, uh, to, uh, since our inception, April the 11th of 2019, we have saved more than 3,300 years of people doing time. So when I think about the, uh, the handful awesome. of people, and this is not the discount, when I think about the handful of people that, um, that um, Harriet Tubman was able to bring into, uh, into freedom, out of slavery, into freedom, you know, we marvel at those numbers. And by many accounts, you can look and say that I think that those numbers are somewhere in like the teens. So when you think about the fact that our numbers are into the thousands, but it's because of that DNA that Fox mentioned earlier of Harriet Tubman, someone who felt that her freedom was also something that she believed that others should have, because to be free is to free others. That was probably one of our biggest takeaways from having had incarceration as an experience of ours. So we spent our days uh, separate and apart from writing books and uh, being subjects to films, but to helping other people that are enslaved uh, through mass incarceration, make it back to the other side and reunite with their families. Hmm. That's awesome. That's, that's beautiful. A couple more questions for you all. You, you spoke, Rob, about the example you wanted to set for your sons and your family um, and finishing your degree while you were in prison. I'd love for you to, you, your family is such a significant role of your lives. You talk so much about your sons. I would love for our listeners to just hear you talk, uh, hear both of you all talk about your sons, um, some of the things they're doing now, some of the lessons you all learned um, for anyone that may be listening that may be parenting um, and they may have an incarcerated spouse or incarcerated loved one, and they're trying to keep their family 
afloat and together. I'd love to hear you all speak on that. I you, like probably, you probably would want me to talk because if he starts talking about those boys, we will be here to your next podcast. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Talk about your sons. I'm here for it all day. <laughs> I just want to live it up that when you think about the children of incarcerated parents, they're nine times more likely themselves to go to prison as a result of having a parent there. Our children had both of their parents there, so I don't know if statistically that means that they were two times the average of what is you know, stated for those who have a parent that is incarcerated. So if it's nine times, then it's 18 times more likely. And when you think about the fact that we were able to defy the odds, uh, one of the early uh, journeys that Fox and I went on is that we challenged ourselves as well as our community. Uh, we started running marathons. Fox started one, uh, started to run seven mar- uh, nine mar- seven marathons, I'm sorry, to, uh, to, raise, to raise awareness. And the seven was significant for the number of times that a child was likely to wind up in prison themselves as a result of having a parent there. And simultaneously, while she was running marathons on the outside, I started mm-hmm. organizing uh, marathons inside of the prison to coincide with the dates that she would be running on the outside. Again, working to bring that awareness to, um, to not only our family, uh, but to the families of others. And uh, with that being said, the outcome of which we have defied the odds, and I'll let Fox uh, tell you how much we've defied those odds. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do the appreciated version, right? We have six sons, Rob and I, together, and uh, our eldest son, uh, Malik, is a sommelier, so he does private events here in the city of New Orleans, put himself through college, and after his father came home, he moved here to New Orleans to be with us. You got to um, explain what a sommelier is, because we, we just yeah. found out when he told us <laughs> that's what he was going yeah. to do with his four-year degree, so I'm like, you're going to be a what? Yes, <laughs> so for those of us who are like Malik's parents and were unaware of what a sommelier is, it is a wine expert. So I know your listeners probably know that, Danny, but we didn't. So it was like, okay, um, what is that? (laughs) So um, Malik is a sommelier and um, hosts his own, he has this um, company called Sipmore, where he pairs (laughs) wines with foods here in New Orleans. And um, our second oldest son, Remington, um, many saw him in the documentary when he says, um, my mom, your kindergarten. Now you tell me where you want me to take that bag and I'm going to carry it anywhere you want me to take it. <laughs> and um, I know that he, every time I see that, it melts my heart over and over again at his commitment to family at such a young age. And it hasn't changed. Remington went on, graduated from Xavier, um, then got his master's at Meharry Medical School, um, then got into dental school, graduated from dental school two years ago. Now he's at mm-hmm. Indiana University in Dr. orthodontics. Remington yeah, Dr. Remington Richardson is now at Indiana University and in three months will be an orthodontist, a specialist, and have wow, a master's awesome. in, um, in, um, in that specialty. And joining a small minority of uh, African Americans uh, in the field. In the field of dentistry, hmm. and especially awesome. in the field of a specialty in dentistry. Um, and so then our third oldest son, Lawrence Ellington, has been in love with love all his life. We used to sit in prison <laughs> and watch the ball all the entire visit. Um, me hmm. and Rob and the kids and a and a, a house and a, and a limousine picking us up and hearts everywhere and we thought that he was drawing pictures of us but Lawrence was the first one to have a wedding in the family and so we later discovered maybe he was really drawing his own family <laughs> and, uh, 
his life. They live in, uh, they married last October and they live in Denver, Colorado and works mm -hmm. in the tech field. Um, then there is our twin boys, mm -hmm. our twin boys, Freedom and Justice. Freedom and Justice started high school, uh, college at 16 years old, uh, working the family's business full time. They left um, high school, public school early, went to Tulane at 16. Justice left Tulane and went to the army and uh, completed a tour of duty in the army, fell in love with a young lady overseas in Korea, who was in the army as well. They married and now live in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. She is finishing mm -hmm. her tour of duty. And then our son, the oldest twin, Freedom, uh, as many saw in the film, is full of politics. And so Freedom is where Freedom should be. At 23 years old, he is working at our nation's capital. On his second job promotion, he is the senior um, director of operations for one of the congressmen from North Carolina. And then our baby boy, Robert Jr., is an artist extraordinaire. He's been street performing in the streets of New Orleans since he was five years old. Um, and so it's just furthering that. He is an artist in residency with B. Mike, who is an artist, uh, international artist based here out of New Orleans. Uh, if you haven't been to B Studios, you got to check it out the next time you mm -hmm. are in New Orleans. It's incredible. And so um, Rob is a photographer. He's a videographer. Actor. He is an actor. He's a dancer. He's a singer. And we're just all sitting by. Uh, and he's a ham because he gets his looks from his mama. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I hear you. Yeah, he's got my name. <laughs> <laughs> and so we just look forward to all of the exceptional things that that young man is going to do in the tradition of carrying on in um, in the legacy of his brothers who have all set a standard. But to say that out of six sons, five of them have been to college, and um, what is it, three? Three of them have graduated from college, um, and one of them have has advanced degrees. We have no grandchildren yet. Uh, I know that sometimes it doesn't mean anything to anybody else, but having created or initially started our home in a broken fashion, uh, and I say broken, Danny, because if it takes two people to make a baby, it takes two people to raise one. And, and, yeah. and, and being married gives us that foundation in order to build up on the family. And so um, to see them um, educated, married, with no children out of wedlock, uh, I'm, it just makes, it's a blessing to my soul to say that they are changing to the trajectory and what we can do um, when, when our young people are empowered with love as a foundation, no matter what the situations are that they are being reared in. Unlike that house that we bought, it's a solid <laughs> foundation when you have one that's laid in love. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and then when you got a foundation built in love, man, you can make it through anything in life. That's right. That's right. Mm. Amen to that. Well, where can our listeners continue to follow your work? So we want them to pick up, pick up the book time by Fox and Rob. We want you all to go on to uh, Amazon Prime and watch the documentary time about their story. Um, but where can they follow a little bit more of the work that you all are currently doing? We are Fox and Rob on all social media. Our website is foxandrob.com. They can find us there. And on all social media platforms, we are Fox and Rob as well. And they can also find out about the ministry work that we do uh, on foxandrob.com as well. Um, Rich Family Ministries, where we're changing lives and uh, laws and lives through love. And that's F-O-X-A-N-D-R-O-B. <laughs> and not the little squiggly uh, thing. 
<laughs> got you. Got you. Sounds good. Um, well, two more things. One is we always ask our, our, our guests to share a little bit about um, something that they're reading that brings them joy. Is there anything that you all have read recently that has brought you all joy? Mine would definitely have to be the uh, the daily bread. Uh, it is something um, that is kind of you know found its way back into our into our fold, and uh, just the uh, the daily bread. It, it's so crazy because it always seems to uh, give you just that little nugget that you need in order to jumpstart your day. Uh, so I found it to be uh, quite impressive. Uh, even though you know we have the sixteen nineteen project, we have. Uh, uh, quite a few books uh, that we're reading. If you can even see our bookshelf over here to the left, uh, I know we bought at least 15 books probably in the last <laughs> six months. <laughs> For me, it would be, uh, and this is not being um, uh, egotistical at all, Danny, but for me, I'll crack open time and read excerpts from it. And, and it just reminds me of my own journey and what is possible with God. Um, what got you know to hold the book actually in my hands and to know that a publisher found this work worthy of being printed, um, that a distributor found worthy to distribute it, um, and that um, just that we found our story important enough to make sure that we documented it further. Um, so just to, to hold it, to look at it, I don't even have to go in and read excerpts from it, but just to behold it makes me see what is possible when we believe. Wow. You know, the scripture says that a dream deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it's a tree of life. And I just think about you all's story, how many times a dream was deferred, um, but how you all held on to love, as you mentioned earlier, and how we know that love overcomes all things. And so uh, thank you all so much for sharing your story. Um, Fox, I did, I, you know, I, I do my research. I read a lot. So I know that this is a, a bit of a transitional time for you. You're coming out of, you know, uh, I know a, a race for, for uh, the state house in, in Louisiana. I know that's probably been a lot. You probably probably are looking forward to a nice, relaxing break after all of that. Um, I've, I've been in city government myself. I spent some time in it, so I know it's a grind just being in that arena. So I do pray and our, our listeners pray for them that they will take some time to get some rest as you listen to this. They've been through so much. They've given so much. Um, and so let's just pray the Lord refreshes them and just kind of reignites whatever is next in their life. Thank you, That's Danny. Yeah, Thank yeah. you so much. You got my eyes all swelling up over you. <laughs> all of that. Thank yes, you indeed. so much. And then if we Absolutely. could probably in closing uh, say to, mm -hmm. uh, to your listeners is just that... Um, even though incarceration was our family's uh, ordeal or experience, uh, do understand that you know someone else's issue may be health related, uh, another person's may be uh, finance related, another person's may be relationship related, another uh, addiction related. There are a gamut of different things that can bring us to low places in life that uh, create an opportunity for miracles to be born out of. Mm -hmm. So uh, the one thing that I am hopeful for that your viewers, your listeners will take away from having heard our story is not so much as that you turn away from the story simply because incarceration is not your reality or one that you identify with, but struggle is a reality that we all identify mm -hmm. with. 
and whatever your struggles are in life, that you find the fortitude to overcome those struggles to become the amazing person that comes out on the other side because it's inside of the struggle that I think God performs his greatest, uh, his greatest works. Mm. I guess you see why I married in Mondana. I see. <laughs> I see. Um, thank you all so much for, for sharing your wisdom, for sharing your story, for sharing your life with others and with us. Um, thank you for the vulnerability of writing your story down and being willing to have cameras, you know, getting your business in your face and tell your story. I know that that almost didn't go as well, but you got to get the book to read that story right. about <laughs> about how sometimes cameras will mess you up. But by God's grace, he worked it all out. Um, so thank you all so much. Um, I am I'm reminded of that um, Andre 3000 song. Hey, y'all. That says thanks. Out, shout out to mom and dad for sticking together because we don't know how we need we need that example in our community, in our lives, um, because relationships, Rob, like you said, are hard. Life gets hard and it, it becomes too easy to in, in the midst of the pain, uh, find a reason to opt out. And you all you all made a decision to stay in it, um, even in the midst of what some would say were impossible circumstances. So thank you for your example. Um, you all please pick the book time up. By Fox and Rob Richardson. You can go and order it wherever you get your books. Um, it is a worthy read. Wrestle through it. Grab you a pen as we do here on My Black Book Journal. Mark it up. Write, think, ask questions, and then follow Fox and Rob on social media. And again, pray for them um, because none of us are in this alone and they're doing important work. So until next time, thank you all, Fox and Rob. Thank you all so much for being here. We're out. <laughs>